we got to talk about Bildad now. Bildad opens up with an, a saying that Christians use, yes, but I mainly hear this from politicians and divisive parties whenever they want to make a statement to shut down any possible rejoinder from the one that disagrees with them, like the, the Hufalars are talking about, you know, elves and dwarves. You know, I actually read the book. I saw some of the movies, read the book, enjoyed the book. Um, I, I would have been on the dwarf side, frankly, because the, the elves seemed a bit too spiritual, and, and the dwarves were much more simple. See it, hit it. This have no moral quandaries at all. Walk around with a hammer, enjoy your life. And so uh, if they were arguing, one of them might start off like this in Job 18.2. When will you end these speeches, be sensible, and then we can talk. Please do this. Please, no, don't say this, but please make a note of how many times in politics or whatever the discussion is, somebody says, all reasonable people believe, or right-thinking people believe, or all Christians believe, or those of us who care about others, what are they doing? It's the Bildad ploy. It's to shut down, it's to create a false dichotomy, is what we call it in argument and logic studies. I got to be a part of those for several years, where we... Um, we set up an argument in such a way that the other person, even opening their mouth to disagree, has to, by the audience, looks upon them as the unreasonable one because the first person to speak created this dichotomy. All, anybody, if you have a heart, this is what you have to think. Now, this is an unfair thing, and that's why it's in the scripture that Bildad's saying it and not God. And remember that this all goes back to our original sin. And I cannot stress this enough. We're doing it every week out of the book of Job. I've asked people all my life, what, is the, what was the original sin? And people will say, oh, they disobeyed God and they ate from the wrong tree. Uh, you're missing the point. Why would God not want you to eat from a tree that's the knowledge of good and evil. Because there's one who already knows good and evil, and he is the judge. Eating from that tree sets yourself up as one who knows good from evil, and you become a judge. And what has happened ever since? People decide they know what's right, they know what's wrong, and reasonable people believe and what they do. If we live in judgment, we have failed the job of living in love. Because you cannot live in love and live in judgment at the same time. You just can't. If we're living in love, we have no interest in judging. I get, um, especially when you're in one of these groups and they want you to share, oh my goodness, <clears throat> I try to avoid, but you never know when it happens. You never know when a sharing person has entered the room. And I'll say things like, what's your favorite movie? And I begin to hyperventilate because I don't think in terms of favorites. Well, what's your favorite food? I don't know. You know, what's your favorite place on the planet? 
anywhere we're not sharing. Um, they, they, want, they, want, they want a particular, you, you need to, and I, for, I don't know why, I'm not morally superior to any person on the planet, and I'm not saying that, that what I do is superior, what I'm saying is it's really easy for me this bit, and I'm aware it's not very easy for others because they have very firm beliefs. And who's your favorite actor? What's your favorite? I get this, but be very, very careful that we don't then assume this is my favorite because it is better. And that's what humans do. It, is a, it sets up the argument. Bildad goes to another perennial fav favorite next in 18, 3 and 4. Why are we regarded as cattle and considered stupid in your sight? Job never said that, but set it up as, a, as an argument winner. You who tear yourself to pieces in your anger, is the earth to be abandoned for your sake? You're not special, Job. <laughs> or must the rocks be moved from their place? I hear people say, I understand that scripture allows such and such but we'd best not do that because then we're going to look like just all the other denominations i remember one lady came to me this is many years ago and i just god love her because she set the thing up she came up and she goes i know what you're saying and it would be all right if our church did this but i'm always afraid that if we do this and look like all the other denominations what will make us special and separate? And I looked at her and I said, we're not supposed to be special and separate. And that was just, uh, it was a concept too far. Uh, and it took us, by the way, she was a delightful woman. She remained a delightful woman. But it took some time for her to understand what she was saying. The Church of Christ, by the way, we, we've struggled with this, but we're not alone. Every single religious group has the same journey everyone we're not special we're not special good and we're not special bad we're all on a journey to heaven and we all trip over these rocks but time to time when the spirit moves us to greater wisdom and greater love somebody will call out in fear we're going to lose our old markers we're going to lose our identity i want them to respond we're supposed to lose our identity and be absorbed into Christ. But that's not really fair. They've not made that journey yet. And Bildad sets it up by saying, you're not special. God's not leading you anywhere. Must the earth be rearranged for you? We have people not here, but there are religious people all over. I, know, I have Catholic friends that are still angry that the mass is able to be said in the vernacular instead of latin why do we have to change for this new group it's a bildad argument rather than backing up and just saying why not but anyway here we come to the crux of the matter to the reason why this entire fight is taking place on earth we already know about the spiritual reason we already know about the council in heaven they don't i'm talking about why this big fight with Zophar, Eliphaz, and Bildad, and why they're being so vicious on Job. Because if Job is innocent, their entire theological foundation is broken. Because they believe if you suffer, 
you did wrong and God is leading you to repent. They have a foundation. And if you break that, their world goes into chaos and they don't know how to respond. All my life I've had people, whenever I'm talking to them about baptism, which is a very important part of scripture. And by the way, if you're watching online thinking, well, I'd like to be baptized, we will baptize you. If you want us masked up, I will top up on my oxygen levels, mask up and, and do it, or we'll get healthy people. You, know, you can't get what I have. And, you know, they'll, they'll do it, but we will baptize you. We think it's really, really, really important. And I've talked to people about baptism before, and they will respond, but if I get baptized, that means my parents are lost. Actually, it doesn't. Not in any way, shape, or form. But why would you set up the universe in such a way as, I see this would be a good thing to do, but if I do it, that condemns. No. You doing good doesn't condemn anybody. Sometimes we just have to understand that where we have been led to is not where they were led. But here we are anyway. The people, uh, um, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar were, were very good Calvinists. And I don't mean to be mean to our Calvinist friends. Calvinism um, really took root in two places. One was where John Calvin lived in Geneva, he created a whole government, a walled and armed city to help uh, enforce Calvinism, which is a hilarious concept once you understand what Calvinism is. Calvinism means that everything that's ever going to happen was already determined by God. So I'm not really sure why we had to develop a walled city to protect it. But it really took off, and I apologize for this, in Scotland with John Knox, and Presbyterianism, and it went from there, uh, spread amongst the earth. I can remember being challenged by a fellow who came to our church in Colorado, and he just liked to spring out and challenge me on Calvinism at the worst possible times. Uh, I wasn't always gracious. <laughs> I was trying. But I remember one time I had to get from the the auditorium to the Bible class. I had a short amount of time and da -da, I was ambushed again. And he stood there and he was just going at me, going at me. And I finally held my hand and I said, listen, I got to go. We can talk about this later, but I want you to think about something very seriously. And he looked at me and says, what's that? And I said, he didn't go, what's that? He was American. So he probably went, what? Um, and, I, and I said, if Calvinism is true and God has already predetermined all of these things, why are you trying to make me a Calvinist when God did not? He just kind of, and that gave me a chance just to, to leave the discussion. Their entire concept of what sin is will break up. Cammie and I watched on Amazon Prime, which I get because of free, free shipping. You know, if I don't order something in a couple of weeks, Amazon calls me. Are you okay? <laughs> we need your help here. We are planning vacations. The income's important. Well, we, we didn't know it came with a bunch of movies at the time, but there we, <laughs> we do now. So we watched Aeronauts, which I would absolutely recommend. It was a brilliant film. And it's about um, true events, novelized, but it's about true events. 
one of the ideas, uh, one of the reasons people went up high in balloons was there were a couple people had a crazy idea that maybe we could predict the weather. And the scientists of the day said this was entirely foolish. It cannot be done. And what the movie doesn't tell you was a lot of that was religious-based because they believed God sent weather in response to our behavior. It's kind of like when Pat Robinson back in the 80s said because Disney had a gay day, uh, God would send hurricanes against Florida. And I'm going, what? They haven't had hurricanes in Florida before? In what way is this going to be different? But nobody challenged them. What if hurricanes come because the system of the universe requires them for the functioning of our non-hurricane days? What if there's a balance to nature that we don't see? What if it all falls apart? What if your theology and its basis all falls apart? Can you hold on to Jesus and his name? Bildad then goes into this amazing, I, I, I want you to read it, amazing monologue about the terrors getting oxygen um, that await this sinner. And handy for him, he's got Job right in front of him. I wanted to illustrate what I was talking about and put some slides up. But after some, some real prayer, I decided I didn't know who was going to be here today and if there would be any small children up here rather than downstairs. And so I didn't do it. But those of you that would like to see what I'm talking about, just Google images, William Blake, hell. Bildad is the one who painted the picture that most people have of hell, and William Blake made many paintings and etchings about it. And if you look at it, you're going to go, that's exactly what Bildad said. Yeah. Or if you read... Dante's The Divine Comedy. I remember the first time I read it, I was actually in, in middle school. I'd found it. I got about halfway through and I went to my dad and I said, there are no jokes in this. And my dad had to explain the word comedy meant something different back then. There aren't any jokes in Divine Comedy. Let me tell you that. Um, there are some pictures that will haunt your dreams about hell and the circles of hell. They got all of, all of their ideas from the speeches of Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, which meant that's where the medieval church and the late medieval and the Renaissance church got their ideas about hell. That's where the sermon ideas come from about hell. And if you trace that stream back, you find it started with Bildad, and Bildad was wrong. So we need not to be preaching the terrors of hell, because we sound way too much like Bildad when we do. He talks of darkness, sulfur, fire, the eating away of our skin, being pursued by demonic dogs. It's entirely horrible. It's entirely lacking in grace, love, or hope. By the way, if any of you are searching about for a master's or a doctorate that you'd like to work upon, here's a thesis or a dissertation waiting for somebody to do this. Take the descriptions of destruction from Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and then w trace the doctrines of hell. It'd be a brilliant study to do. Now, we're going to do something I try not to do. And that's bouncing around a bit in scripture. Because if you don't watch out, you can prove your point 
by yanking things out of context. That said, we need to take a look at concepts and then responses that come later than Job, that come because Christ came. So let's, let's play a game of connect the dots. Uh, Job 19, verses 4 and 5. <laughs> Getting there. It is true that I have gone astray. My ever remains my concern alone. If it's true, this is Job. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then what does Romans say? It, let's say Job was the one in error, except the one whose faith is weak without, without quarreling over disputable matters. And if you're wondering, well, what does that cover? I'm glad you asked. Because there's a clue in the English word here. If you can dispute over it, it's disputable. And God says, don't do it. Don't eat the fruit. Don't walk like you know what's right and wrong. Do not act like you're one of God's judging helpers. Because that's what broke our fellowship with God. We let him do the judging. We do the loving. Take a look at um, chap same chapter. You then, why do you judge your brothers or sister? And by the way, has there ever been a time where it was easier to judge people than during this crisis? Has there ever been a time easier? We have to really watch ourselves on this. Because we don't know what's going on in people's body. We don't know what's going on in their hearts. We don't know what things mean to them. Be very careful about all of this. Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, not us. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. God will not ask for there to be statement, witness statements from the assembly. Because that's not our job. Our job is to answer for what we do. And by the way, it's so easy to, um, to do this because, again, we, we're not judges. So we do it wrong. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. By the way, when you read that passage, I have found people who, are, who cannot help it, so they rush forward to tell you to stop doing that. And I'm going, no, this is telling you to stop. And it's so hard. Back in January, when we had a world and we could travel and see things, I went to Texarkana. And you might think you had the whole world and you went to Texarkana. Yes, yes, I did on purpose. And loved the people I met there at the Walnut Church of Christ. Uh, and though I know many of them are listening. It was a lot of fun. And there's a university there. And they had asked me if I would do just stand up and answer questions. And man, did I get them. And one of them was, what do you think about climate change? Is it really happening? And did mankind um, do it? Are, are we helping it? And I said, wonderful question. 
because it gives me the chance to say this. I can prove that it is, and I can prove that it isn't, according to who I quote. Had I known, I could say the same about COVID. Had I known, I could just be aware of something. We don't know everything. So just don't live in judgment. Whatever you believe about these things, keep yourself between, you know, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is he who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Wow. The Bible could not be plainer that everything Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz are doing, Eliphaz, they're doing wrong. We who are strong, so hey guys, if you think you're the strong one, well then how do you prove it? You bear with the failings of the weak and you don't do anything to please yourself. You do things to please God. Now Job, I know I told you, we're bouncing. We are one section of the New Testament, one section of the Old, but we are going back and forth. Job 19.8. He is talking about God. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. You know something? Can we not say that about God today? Do you know what God is doing? Why God is doing? When do we get to land this plane and go do stuff? We have to walk by faith, not by sight. Does that sound familiar? So Job is actually correct here. The psalmist put it this way in one of my favorite psalms. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It's really the admission of two immutable facts of the universe. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you're not him. Just know the two facts. I would always do that with my kids and they could still quote it today. What are the two facts? There is a God you're not him. We would also do, and what are the two jobs that you have today? One, be like Jesus. Two, don't be stupid. My kids told me that all the time. I've had people come up to me and say, you weren't supposed to use the word stupid. And I go, read your Bible. God says so. Don't call others that, but you're allowed to call yourself that. The, uh, and by the way, the, the whole concept of you, I'm going out, I'm coming in, you know what the words are. In the Hebrew, which is a much deeper language when it comes to nuance and such than, than most English is. English has a great amount of words, we just don't use them. They, um, the words there mean, before a word is on my tongue, you know why it's there. Now that's a fascinating thing. I'll illustrate very briefly. I have a feeling I'm going longer than I needed to in this point. Whenever I was a boy, if I said something or my sister said something that was kind of funny or witty, my dad would say, you little rat, and he might tickle us a bit. Well, on a date once, this girl said something funny, and I said, you little rat, did not go well. I, I saw Jesus twice before she pulled me back through the tunnel and yelled at me again. 
being called a diminutive sewer-dwelling rodent was not a plus. Now, I don't know why she reacted as she did, and she doesn't know why I said what I did. And God said, figure that out. God's the only one who understands you're not in a position to judge. Wow, what a different world this would be if Christians acted like this and not like roving moralizers. This, the oldest book of our Bible, speaks of themes that are answered in our time, and some of them are not answered at all. We know Jesus, and we have the Bible. We, we too often fall in the traps of Job's friends and become judges. Job believes that God himself is after him, and he builds, and God is building ramps and sees towers to come against him. One of the earliest series I did here was working off Gregory Boyd's book, God at War, and it's still up online at several different places that people find it, but I'd rather you read the book. It's much better than the series. But he helped me by giving me a different picture of the universe, that there are things out there that don't like us, and that there is a God, and we're not him. Job didn't know a war was going on. He didn't know about the council room of God he threw the blame on God because he didn't know where else to throw it. But even then he had hope in God's ultimate goodness. Oh, that my words are recorded, that they were written on a scroll. There's irony for you, because they are. That they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my Redeemer lives and in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my flesh has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own own eyes. I am not another, and how my heart yearns within me. Job's view of what happens after death is rather confused, and it will change throughout the book. But the idea of that mediator continues to come back. And we continue to plan our journey through Job and into the book of Revelation and then into Advent because we don't now know that, yeah, we all live through Ecclesiastes and Job, and we all battle the battle of Revelation before the feast and the victory scene arrives. Job only knew the Ecclesiastes part of life. Another theme pops up here as I try to bring this to a close. By the way, I was really struggling with how to close the sermon last Sunday. I was really struggling with how to stand in here thinking about, now how do I end this? And we had somebody... Um, almost faint and drop and have a medical emergency. And I was thinking, well, God, you didn't have to end it that way. You know, I'm, you know, I, that was, it was a bit abrupt. <laughs> anyway, another theme shows up here. Look at, again, Job 19. If you say, how will we hound him since the root of the trouble lies in him? In other words, how will we, how will we deal with Job? Because he's bringing these dangerous ideas you should fear the sword yourselves. For wrath will bring punishment by the sword. And then you'll know that there is judgment. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention 
to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out to your eye, when all that time there's a plank in your eye? By the way, it was supposed to be funny. People would have been laughing when Jesus said this. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, why did he say that? Because you're never going to get the plank out your eye, are you? You're never going to wake up saying, you know, today's the day. I've nailed it. Completely righteous. I am now qualified to handle the sins of others. Don't think so. And it all takes it back to the tree. In the garden, we refused to settle for a life in a lovely garden. Talks and walks with God in the evening. We, we weren't okay with letting God be God and we not being God. So we became little gods, judging for ourselves what is good and what is evil. And Job warns his friends, this will always come back and nail you, as it does. Mark, if you want to bring your team up, please. Three scriptures, James, John, and back to James. We've read it, now we live, need to live it. Would you stand, please? Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment, in other words, our judging should always be about freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Wow. And then Jesus goes, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples. Correct doctrine, correct worship, moral principles. No, hang on. If you love one another, stop eating from the wrong tree. And whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but, go, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The law gives us freedom because we don't have to judge others. It's so tiring. It is exhausting. Why don't we just love people? This week, make sure you're eating from the tree of life. Don't eat from the wrong tree. 